All right, Chase Kitty, of course, is the host of the Lions Edge podcast for BetMGM, and he can talk football, he can talk basketball, can literally be anything we want. That's the beauty of having you on, my friend, because we can just jump around to different things, and we can start with the NBA. Uh, with the Lakers, right now we're actually tied with the Grizzlies at 38 apiece. Uh, no LeBron James for several weeks is what we're told. I bet the Lakers, when they made all those trades at the deadline to make the playoffs, felt good, looked like a team that was probably more of like a six seed that they played the entire season with that roster. Now I'm a little less confident because it's a lot falling on Anthony Davis's shoulders, which we know are very fragile and can sometimes crumble under the pressure of well, just a game. Where are you on the Lakers now without LeBron James for this extended period of time? I'm cautiously pessimistic, I guess I would say. I've spent a lot of time in the futures markets at BetMGM the last couple of days. Uh, I do a monthly update on all the futures markets for NBA.com on behalf of BetMGM. Uh, it's one of my projects here. And I'm watching the Lakers go up the table. I'm watching their odds go you know, in the right direction if you're a Lakers fan. But at the same time, I, yeah, they have a nice trade deadline. Yeah, they add a couple of pieces for reasonable cost. Yeah, they get rid of Westbrook. But if they don't have LeBron to lean on for even two or three or four, for the remaining weeks. I mean, do we really think that they can get there? I mean, this is a team that's they're they're not even in the play-in situation right now. They they are fully out of the playoffs and they have a lot of ground to make up and the West just got a lot better at the trade deadline. So, I would say I like I want to see it happen. I don't have any skin in the game. I don't have a position I'm rooting for. I just think the playoffs are more interesting when LeBron has been in the mix. And these last couple of years when they haven't been in the mix, I have felt that absence. So I'm hoping they get there. But the reality is LeBron is an aging star. Anthony Davis has, you know, just a pile of injuries. It feels to me like we want this to happen more so than it is a realistic thing to happen. And I think that's something to keep in mind if you're getting involved with a pretty live odds market. Chase, something that's happening is uh, the New York Knicks, man. Josh yes. Hart, he got traded there, and they are 6-0 and Josh since Hart then. for MVP, Chase. Josh Hart, MVP. Let's go. Are you <laughs> are you buying what's going on in New York right now? I mean, do you do you feel pretty confident that maybe in the 4-5 game in the East they can take care of that, whether it's, you know, Cleveland or, or Philly, whoever it is? Do you think they could maybe give the Bucks or Celtics a series? What are your thoughts on the Knicks? Yeah, so again, been living in the NBA futures markets the last couple of days doing all these write-ups, and it feels like, to me, when you look at what the Knicks have been in the recent past, you look at where they are in the standings, and then you look at the numbers they have in the Eastern Conference market and in the, in the NBA championship market, they're like 150 to 1, which is insane. And, and I get that you know, there's really no modern analog for a team to rip off that much of a run from that far down in the playoff bracket. So I, I get why the number is so long, but it, it it's a little bit like the Kings too. It, it's like Trista's Kings. They're in third in the West right now. They're a hundred to one. Like there, there's just a disconnect between how these teams are perceived and what their actual records are. So in that way, I am interested in maybe a small Knicks position I would rather go a little more conservative and, and maybe buy some stock in them to win the East and then have more tangible hedge positions because as crazy as the 150 to one is, I mean, I, I don't even think you can get in range to have hedge positions. You would need them 
to go farther than is probably realistic. I don't like them against the Celtics. I don't like them against the Bucks to answer your question. But maybe if they get some favorable matchups or somebody gets upset and you get them close enough to the end of the Eastern Conference playoffs, then maybe you have some options with a short ticket like uh, them to win the East. Let's talk about those Kings, Chase. Uh, they are one and a half games behind the Grizzlies right now uh, in, the we- in the West to, get- to take that two seed. I have them 45 to 1 to win the division. I am not going to cash out of that uh, position, even though I was told by Kings Beat Raiders that I should probably do so. I just feel it keeps me invested. Like you said, 50 to 1 to win the West, 100 to 1 to win the whole thing. Uh, how do you target the Kings at this point? I, I think my read. I, I started to circle onto this about a month ago where I was like, you know, it's it's not we're not 10 games into the season anymore. We're not 15 games into the season. This is real. We're halfway into the season. We're more than halfway into the season at the end of January. It, it feels like the the numbers aren't adding up to the reality. And so you just start to think about like what kind of position is advantageous but still conservative because the the Kings, especially are unique they have no playoff dna no playoff infrastructure you don't know what you're going to get from a team that is so offensively oriented so defensively lacking and having zero postseason experience really anywhere uh so it's it's hard to know how that translates in reality versus on paper but I, i there's no question that the numbers are completely out of whack that the third place team in the West is fifty to one to win the West. That's it. So does does that mean you go game to game? Do you target them at all? Do you stay away if you don't already have a position? Like if you're looking at the Kings, what do you do with them for the rest of the year? I still think there's. I, I'm I'm not interested in the hundred to one because like as interesting as it in, is as an intellectual exercise, the Kings aren't winning the title. Right. Right. We, we understand that. Uh, it's a great story. They're not winning the title. I'm not even really sure they're they're all that interesting to win the West. But as a numbers exercise, I think you buy it and then you see what can happen. You buy the 50 and you see what can happen. Because to pivot to a larger point, I'm skeptical of a lot of these teams. Uh, Rashid Wallace gets gets you know waved around a lot as an example of a team that made a big splashy move at the trade deadline in 2004 and then ultimately won the title that's more the exception not the rule so if you're looking at the suns or the mavericks as hey look what these guys just did they're really live to win the title now maybe but the history doesn't necessarily back that up and uh the bench in phoenix in particular i'm a little skeptical about dallas more uh how much they get away from the Luka heliocentric stuff before I really buy into that is a more balanced team that could be a true contender. Denver and Memphis, I, I know Memphis has dropped a lot, but you know they started the season as a real favorite. Denver has continued to be a real favorite. Neither of those teams has really won at a high level in the playoffs as presently constructed. So I'm looking at a lot of teams in the West that are handicapped one way, but I see reasons to be negative about that. I think the Kings, they get maybe some friendly bounces and a couple of good matchups or a timely upset. Maybe they have a path to get closer to that Western Conference Finals. And then you're sitting there holding a 50-1. to one. You've got real options. I like the Clippers. I know that's a total other uh, total 
totally different topic as well. But I think the Clippers there plus 550 to win the West are also an interesting option in apposition to those other flaws with those other teams that I was mentioning. All right, well, let's jump into the Clippers then, Chase. I mean, what do you think? They add Russell Westbrook, 17 points in his first two games with them, but you also saw him sitting in the fourth quarter. It seems like, like they kind of understand what his role is going to be. He's going to start, but he may not be finishing games. Uh, the Clippers have talent, and they have depth, but there's just this feel of, like, they need to put it all together for really – I almost say consecutive seasons because they did get to the Western Conference Finals years ago. Where are you on the Clippers? Uh, I don't care about the Westbrook stuff at all, uh, to be honest. I I would maybe even like them more if they didn't add Westbrook. Uh, I think he can chew up some regular season minutes. I think he can maybe give you a a few good bursts in the playoffs, but I don't look at him as as a critical piece here. I actually like the other pieces they added at the trade deadline more than him. Uh, you know, and they get him after the buyout in Utah. I, I, I think Plumlee's a nice add. Like, I, I just think they added real rotation guys uh, and got rid of, you know, Luke Kennard's been a nice piece, but he's also been hurt. Uh, John Wall is aging and, and kind of irrelevant at this point in his career in terms of what the Clippers' aspirations were. So I think Kawhi Leonard, I think he was eighth uh, this month in February in points per game. Like, he's uh, eighth in the in the – entire NBA I I think his trajectory is maybe more so back toward what he was when he was really good with San Antonio and really good with Toronto I don't think he's ever going to fully be that guy again I think elite shutdown defender Kawhi Leonard is probably gone and maybe never coming back but I still think you could get 85 or 90 percent of that especially on the offensive end and that's I mean that's uh, that's a good thing. That's heartening to see if you're a Clippers fan or if you're holding a Clippers ticket. So I feel like as constructed, the pieces they've added and the things they are good at are things that get you far in the playoffs. And so that's maybe why I'm more willing to buy them uh, more so than other teams. Chase, what do you do with teams like the Spurs, Rockets, the Hornets, teams that are clearly trying to lose games or towards the end of the season? Because Every night, you know, the spreads are like 11 and a half, 13 and a half. I don't want any part of those. Have you found ways where maybe when those kinds of teams are playing, you, you can attack their games and still find value? Well, it's an interesting time to ask that question, PJ, because my theory on the women Yama stuff and, and the tanking stuff, and, and this was just kind of gut feel. I didn't really have any source information that, that made me feel this way, but my gut feeling was, we're not going to see a season-long over tankathon. It's not going to be that egregious. But once we get on the other side of the All-Star break, I do think we're going to start to see teams make it clear that, hey, we're no longer interested in winning games. We're not even going to pretend. Um, so I think we're going to start to see that. I think um, one strategy you could deploy, because I'm not really interested in laying the full boat with some of these teams and the numbers are going to get out of control really fast when people catch on to what's going on. You're going to see, you were just talking about 12s and 13s. We're going to see numbers higher than that. Um, I think one strategy though could be go into the alts, especially on a day where multiple, you know, multiple Hornets, there's the Hornets and the Spurs and the Rockets are playing. Like you have multiple teams in the tankathon going on the same day. You go find some alts if the spread in the six-pack market is 14, maybe you go find like an eight and a half. And you put a couple of those together, you parlay them. I'm guessing the money line parlay is not going to be much of a viable option. Uh, but maybe you find some of those more middle-class that you can stick together 
Uh, maybe if it's in the next few weeks, you could even throw in like a college basketball number or a hockey number or something else that you like to play with the overall parlay odds. And that's one way you could attack it. Uh, but going game by game, I think, is, is just what you have to do if you're looking at the traditional spread plays because, you know, we still got six weeks of NBA left. Yeah. Chase, we got about a minute or so. OKC, uh, best team in the NBA against the spread. Usually at this point in the season, they're one of the teams that shut it down. For whatever reason, they do not seem interested in that. How do you attack them for the rest of the year? Is this like a monitor or a wait and see? Or do you think that they do continue to cover some of these numbers? Well, spread records are all about results versus expectations. And unless we see something with Oklahoma City making a change in direction, I think they're going to continue to be a pretty good ATS team because I think people are going to assume they're going to go one direction and they're going to continue to play well. I think the way Presti and, and this team and this organization looks at it is that they have their core going forward. So they don't need some new big centerpiece in the draft. They have the guys they're going to build around, and they're going to play with those guys, even though they're missing one in, in general. Chase Kitty, co-host, Lion's Edge Podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, check that thing out. Always good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chase.